Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on What of the Future. My name is Nebuchi, and here today with me is Rafi. For this episode, we will be discussing access to clean water. Oh, to start off with, we'll be looking at some statistics on、uh, access to clean water from the CTC database. So, I thought it was quite interesting that more than 785 million people do not have access to at least basic water services. Because if you think about it, that's almost three times the population of the entire United States. It just goes to show that, like, while we have it easy here, many people around the world do not. Yeah. What's even more crazy is that, like, over 800 million people, like, don't even have safe water to drink. It really just puts into perspective, even though we've come so far as, like, a race, humanity as a whole. There's still a lot that we have to do before everyone can get even like basic access to what should be like the most basic of basic kind of things. Yeah, that's completely true. And speaking of、uh, access to clean water or basic clean water,、uh, most developing countries have a system of clean water called、uh, a borehole or a protected dug well. And what those two basically are a borehole is literally as it sounds, you just dig a hole in the ground and draw water that way. And a protected dug well is essentially the same thing where it's a well that draws water, but it has a protective lining on the sides. And I bring this up because most、um, bio well or those kind of、uh, foundations fund these protected dug well projects. They sound good on paper, but at the same time, I'm kind of worried about sanitation issues that might arise from that because, not gonna lie, they don't seem to be the most sanitary measures of、uh, procuring drinking water. Yeah, there's not very good filtration. They literally just draw up the water from the well, and just because it's lined on the walls and prevents it from getting、uh, contamination doesn't actually mean. That the water itself is safe to drink, because that's the problem a lot of the times. Well, I think that with changes in our technology, especially with the advent of like all the new like things that are going on in our society right now, I think that we'll probably be able to find some like super sustainable way to get clean drinking water eventually and out to these people who really need it.、Um, It just seems like it's kind of taking very long. I hope that that gets a little bit quicker <laughs> as time goes on. That's、uh, definitely a goal for the future. So, how about we talk about instead the different ways that、uh, the government can provide access to clean water? Hopefully, make that dream a little bit closer to reality. So, to preface our、uh, three、uh, examples for this segment. Uh, I want to say that、uh, we got our examples from the World Bank, which is why a lot of these are economics orientated. But it kind of makes sense because if you incentivize economics or、uh, profit really as a measure of results, then you'll be able to finance programs that are much better simply because they're able to reach more people, and you'll be able to quantify the results. Additionally, if you have these results, you can apply for more funding because you can show the World Bank that you're actually affecting these people, and you can prove it with statistics. That makes a lot of sense. Do you think you could walk us through our first example? Okay, so the first example is Brazil's Sao Paulo Water Recovery Project, or as it's called in the country, Reagua. And essentially, what this is is the World Bank gave funding to Sao Paulo in order to improve its water sanitation.、Um, 
centers because if you don't know a lot about Sao Paulo, it's very densely urbanized and it was designed to respond to not only the water scarcity problem in the area, but also like the lack of clean water problem. But increasing the volume of recovered water was one of the biggest uh, measurements of progress or success from this project. And through that, they were able to quantify how far they went and how far they still need to go. But some statistics on how well it's done is that the project directly benefited 97,400 people living in the vicinity of the five critical watersheds in Sao Paulo state. So that's definitely a lot of progress. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty sizable improvement. I guess I'll cover the next part. Um, The India, uh, excuse me for any mispronunciation, (laughs) but India's Shimla city project, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah, (laughs) again, excuse me for any (laughs) mispronunciation, but uh, basically, so she... I'm just going to call it City S, just for the sake of it. City S basically uh, had a severe water crisis. And so the World Bank stepped in by basically just trying to streamline the organization of water by basically replacing the government's more traditional uh, framework uh, when it comes to water control and just control in general with more financially autonomous and operational company to try to increase performance. The basic goals were to shift from making infrastructure to uh, service delivery. So this is all just to reduce uh, the amount of water that isn't like actively contributing to like the economy. And as a result of that, uh, like there is an increase in uh, the amount of water supply City S received, and the amount of water that actually that didn't make any like sort of profit uh, was reduced by ten percent. So this is all to say that the World Bank was able to basically come in and uh, introduce some reforms to just the way that everything like the way that everything is structured, and in doing so, they were able to. Uh, basically make everything more efficient in CDS. So that sounds pretty good. I think when a lot of people thinking about uh, think about uh, increased access to clean water, they actually think about filters and increasing um, wells and that kind of stuff. But I think few people recognize just the sheer power of reorganization. Because like, like in um, the Shimla City project, the problem was not that it didn't have infrastructure. It definitely did. But it was poorly mismanaged and the um, architecture was ancient. And yeah, it was basically the problem of like nobody knew who was supposed to take care of the water because like nobody really had power over it. But yeah, uh, as you said before, by changing the structure, they were able to increase the clean water to everyone. So accountability is the big thing here. But yeah. Yeah, I'd argue. Oh, well, not to not to uh, talk over you, but I just argue that accountability is definitely one of the more important aspects when it comes to achieving some form of sustainability inside an economy just in general. And uh, speaking of accountability, the next one, um, the Vietnam's National Target Program for Rural Water Supply and Sanitation Phase 3 Program, or uh, shortened to NTP3, 
actually has a lot of accountability to it. And the reason why is basically the World Bank or the government basically said, we'll only give out funding for schools and um, infrastructure and things that you basically would expect the government to fund if you can prove that your county or your region actually has enough clean water for most of the population. So that's a that definitely increases accountability because if you increase the access to clean water in like one city or one area, that's great. But there will definitely still be people in rural areas, which is one of the um, biggest uh, targets in this uh, project that will not have enough water. And many people do not see them because they only focus on the cities or the large populations. But um, yeah, they use this thing called the World Bank's Program for Results Lending Instrument, it's, which is what I was talking about earlier. So they kind of um, measure progress by results and there's like an instrument for it. There are measures for it. That's essentially how they were able to um, get the results that they, that they achieved because they were able to quantify their results and get more funding and spread it out to rural populations. And then that basically uh, snowballed because then the government gave them funding and then they got more schools and then et cetera. And um, this one actually, uh, impressively, more than 1.8 million people gained access to improved water resources and more than 1.4 million people gained access to improved sanitation services. So like this is way, way more than um, the previous ones. And that's simply because this is not reaching out to one area. This is like a whole overreaching national program for the rural populace. So I think that's interesting that they're um, appealing to or fixing the problems of a people who generally don't get a lot of representation. Seems to me like this initiative illustrates a very important aspect of uh, providing access to clean water. It's about decreasing the disparity between people who have water and people who don't. In a way, this is a lot like economics, where the amount, like, just to make an analogy, an economy can have a really high GDP, but and even a high-ish GDP per, uh, per capita, but the Gini coefficient, which is basically a measure of the wealth disparity in an economy, can also be really high when it should be low, because a lot of the wealth in an economy might be centered uh, in the top 1% and poor people might not be able to, might not have as much uh, wealth in comparison. And so in these countries, you might see a similar thing where a lot of urban areas might have a lot of access to clean water, but the rural areas get left out. And I think that this initiative is a really good way to get those rural areas the clean water that they need. So I think that this was a really good strategy. Uh, to take quite effective yeah all right well i think we're all washed up here so it might be time to bring this to an end but uh thank you guys for uh, listening to the podcast rafi do you have anything else to say thanks for tuning into what of the future with your hosts rafi arcana and anebichi mizaglu i hope you enjoyed our deep dive no pun intended into clean water accessibility if you want more information or links to our sources, we mainly use the CDC website for statistics, but I recommend you to check out the World Bank and specifically look into the um, results-based articles. This is where you're going to see the majority of um, what we talked about and especially programs that have actually happened and their results. So if you want to see how governments are doing uh, along with the World Bank, that's the place to go. 
And for more content like this, uh, be sure to hit the follow button as we post new episodes every month. You can listen to our free podcast on any streaming service, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. And follow our Instagram at PeshNGN for the latest updates. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Peace. See ya.